listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files Podcast. My name is Eric Daw. I am your personal guitar scientist. That's right, with over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars. This is a podcast about guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, guitar opinions, everything except how to play the darn things. And today we've got a great interview with a friend of mine from Seattle, Neil Brown, Neil has invented a new switch. Now, how often does that happen? This is, now you've heard of the three-way switch, and you've heard of a five-way switch. This is an eight-way switch, eight-position switch that uh, is compatible with any, basically almost any three-pickup guitar. Um, And uh, he's got a lot to say about it. It's a really interesting story. And uh, I, I'm I'm kind of fascinated about it because, uh, you know, it's it's the audacity of actually bringing this to to uh, to market. I mean, think about that. I mean, it's one thing to have an idea. <laughs> I've had plenty of ideas. I could tell you. I could fill up a whole episode about ideas that I've had that I never really uh, followed through with. But it's one thing to have an idea, but it's completely another to take it as far as Neil has taken it. And uh, I think that it's really cool. I, I, I appreciate what Neil's doing. So without further ado, here is my interview with Neil Brown of SeattleSuperSwitch.com. Hi, Neil. How are you? Good, good. Oh, it's good to talk to you again. How have right you been? Now. Yeah, nice to talk to you, too. I, I uh, appreciate that work you did on my Gretsch for me. That was a work of art. Oh, I forgot about that. What did I do to it? You added a third pickup and installed the first ever rotary eight-way switch. Oh, yeah. So we put a pickup in the middle, right? Yep. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. That's been years ago now. That's been like three, four years ago, I think. I think it was like uh, two, maybe two years. Is that all? Time flies. Mm Mm-hmm. Wondering if you ever if you took any pictures of that while you were doing it. I don't think I did. Uh, I should have. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you just fine. Okay. It seems like there's a bit of a delay. I got a weird deal here on this. When I do interviews, I do it over the computer, and uh, oh, okay. And I th- I think that it's I think there's kind of a delay. So bear with me on that. But uh, it should no problem. I don't hear it on my end. Oh, good. Okay. Well, it should work all right. Well, Neil, tell me about the Super Switch. What's the backstory? Like, when did you start thinking about this? Yeah, okay, I'll be happy to. Thank you for asking, by the way. 
So um, it's funny that we ha- we have the common bond of Jay Boone involved in this. Yeah. Um, I'll explain that. Um, in 1981, I moved to Seattle in Vancouver, BC. And then uh, in 83, I, st- I started a, a 50s uh, rockabilly and rock and roll band. Mm-hmm. And um, we had outfits and you know, matching suits and matching guitars. We bought Tokai Strats tobacco sunburst because they were cheap enough for us yeah, to afford. Sure. And uh, they looked they look just, you know, just right. Um, so I played with that band for three years to the day exactly, but about a year before I quit, Steinberger came on the scene with um, the all-graphite headless trans tremolo, um, you know, uh, super guitar. Yeah. I, I'm sure you remember those. Yeah, this was like, what, 80, was, early 80s? It would have been 85, I think. Yeah. 84, 85. And so I fell in love with that Wang bar they had on there, which, you know, it was even more precise than a Floyd Rose. Yeah. And I, because I, yeah. It, was a, it was a trans trim, you could set it, you could bend it down, and it would change the the range you were in like you could bend it down a whole step and lock it in yeah and, and it, it would there. it would basically change more, your your tunings yeah. for you essentially yeah i think the first now, guy loft. the first guy i saw using one of those was uh johnny winter i think he, oh yeah that's right yeah it was pretty cool when he had his and i had mine um but it you know it was only cool for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so so uh, I ordered one from Jay Boone at Seattle Music. Yeah, okay. Which was at First in University, mm-hmm. um, right up the street from, down the street from Seattle Art Museum, mm-hmm. which wasn't even there at that point. Yeah. And so it came with two humbucking EMGs uh, and a three-way cheese ball flicker switch, just a really, you know... Well, it wasn't a cheese ball switch. It was a good one. Like a toggle, just a like a three-way switch. toggle switch. Yeah, it was um, not like you'd find on a normal, like a Les Paul. Yeah, it was a mini switch with a little steel. Oh, yeah, sure. Everything was black on those things. Yeah, yeah. It had a little black lever three position. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm a Strat guy through and through. And I loved the way the guitar played, but I did not particularly care for the tones I was getting. Yeah. And so I called up Ned Steinberger in New York and asked him if he could build me a three pickup top for it. Because the Steinbergers have six Allen uh, bolts on the back. Mm-hmm. And if you undo all six of those, the top plate comes off with all the pickups and electronics. Oh, yeah, sure. So you can kind of just swap and, it out. Yeah, so um, they made me one. I believe it may be the only one ever. Wow. And um, sadly, I had to sell that guitar about five years ago, um, but uh, I had both tops. It was really, really cool. I do have a picture of it I can email you. Yeah, I'd like to see uh, it. With, with with both tops. So did so they made you one with three individual EMG? EM, EMG, yeah. Humbuckers? And, uh, so here's the here's what happened. These were three EMG single-coil oh. Strat-style pickups. Oh, okay, okay. 
And but when I ordered it, I never specified, you know, what kind of switching apparatus to put in it. Yeah. And because they don't build strats, they came up with their own thing. Yeah. Which was a push button on off for each pickup. Oh. So there was three little mini push buttons for each one. Yeah. All of a sudden, I had all three pickups at once, or neck and bridge, mm-hmm. or all pickups off so I could tune. Right, right. And uh, it dawned on me, I was like, hey, wait a minute, why can't I get one of these for my Strat? Yeah. And then I thought, I thought, well, why? I mean, I can't figure it out. So my, uh, I had, you know, I did some research online. Um, and uh, I did discover that somebody at Gibson owned a patent on a seven-way switch, but uh, never brought it to market. Oh, like a rotary switch? No, it was uh, a blade a style. Switch. Okay, yeah, yeah. Huh? Well, are you there? I'm eating my last crack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. No problem. So you've got so, so you've you've so discovered I, there's I thought, missing tones. You know, wouldn't it be cool if you could buy a switch that did that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when the dream began. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And that, um, and that top plate showed up and it didn't have a lever switch on it, but push buttons. Yeah. I had a eureka moment. It was like, you know, what would happen if you made one that people could just put in their guitar and replace, you know, replace their old five-way switch with that? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so so we're talking like 1985 here, 84, 85, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Hmm. I read and, um, I, I read kind of your uh, backstory about this online, and uh, it said it said yeah. you've been um, you've been tinkering with guitars and rewiring them and trying to get different tones since way back in the seventies. So that's that's like yeah. that's a good solid decade of of thinking about things before it dawned on you. Oh, there's three tones yeah, that, that I should I be the, able to get here. I had an old uh, Gibson uh, Les Paul Deluxe. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, if I hadn't butchered it, it would probably be worth a small fortune. Now I think it was a '72 or something. Yeah. And I played in a country rock band instead of going to college, which I was all scheduled to do. Uh, University of British Columbia Institute of Technology, uh, broadcast journalism. I answered an ad in the, the the rock paper up there, which is called the Georgia Strait, mm-hmm. up in Vancouver, and. Um, it was for a country rock lead guitarist, and I had never played lead guitar before, but I, I had just had to do it. So I uh, rented a, <laughs> a Gibson, and went to this audition, and uh, I got the gig. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I, I bought this deluxe, and uh, at, in those days it was a really big deal. DiMarzio came on the scene with their replacement pickup. Sure. Which were. Um, Splittable dual coil humbuckers. Yeah, and um, and if you put in uh, dif- different little mini toggle switches, you could separate them all up, and you know get all these different tones and stuff. Yeah, and so I, I ha- think I had three, three mini toggles I put in my my Gibson um, Deluxe Les Paul. Yeah, so you could I do all it. like the coil tapping and phase shifting. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I do have a picture of that. I think I'm, uh, I think I'm, let's see, what am I? I'm uh, 20 years old in the picture, or 19, and that with a bunch of old beat-up ex-cons in this country rock band <laughs> that I chose to go, to go off on the road with instead of going to college. Yeah, yeah. 
so you've so you had the idea for the switch, and then where did you go? How, how did you go forward from there? Well, my sister's my sister's married to her high school sweetheart. And he's an engineer. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, he's an engineer. Let's make a switch. Yeah, right. What? Could, what yeah, how hard could a, it be? A civil engineer uh, specializing in sewage treatment. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, you know, there was there was no action there. I, I, you know, had the idea in the back of my head for years and years and years, and I couldn't talk anyone into helping me, and I didn't have any kind of engineering or design skills of any kind, so just sat on the back burner. Yeah. Fast forward to, I believe, 2006 or seven. I had a coffee roasting operation in Shoreline, mm-hmm. and... I uh, opened up the doors to sell coffee by the pound and drip coffee. I didn't know that. Mainly That's cool. I was a, yeah, I was a wholesale roaster for years. Oh, wow. And um, Hurricane Ike hit down in uh, Texas where I had one of my biggest customers, and they went out of business. Hmm. And all of a sudden, I had an enormous hole in my um, you know, my monthly income. Yeah. So I I threw open the doors and put out signs and said, coffee by the pound and drip coffee. And uh, so people started coming in, you know, not in droves, but a guy came in and I told him about my idea. And he said, you know, I know a mechanical engineer. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bring him over. So, um, so he brought over this elderly Turkish guy named Majid, Uh which is spelled M-A-C-I-T. And um, his last name is Gural, G-U-R-O-L. And at this point, I believe he was about 75. Yeah. 76, something like that. Uh He held 33 separate patents. Wow. Um, One of them was uh, the early stages of touchscreen technology. Oh, really? And, um, yeah, he worked for Fluke Avionics. Oh, yeah, sure. So this is is a a legit guy. That's yeah, super legit. Yeah. So I told him about my idea. He popped in for a cup of coffee with my buddy Jim Walker. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he came back the next day with the drawings for the, uh, wow. the electronics. Yeah. And um, he, he, had, he said he scribbled them out in about 15 minutes because he's super smart. Yeah. And so uh, he brought them the next day. And then he said, well, I can't make this for you. But I used to work with this other guy um, who worked with me at Fluke, and I'll get him, and he'll make it for you. Wow. So he brought over this, yeah, he brought over this guy, and we had our first meetings. And um, I wasn't super clear on exactly what I wanted, because I frankly didn't know. I mean, I had an idea what I wanted, but yeah. uh, there's a lot more involved in it than I had ever imagined. Sure. Taking an idea from, you know, from an ethereal concept to... A finished, you know, hard thing that you can hold in your hands. So that's that's an enormous process. Oh, sure. So he agreed to do it, and then we we worked on a you know a financial agreement, and uh, he set to work. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, a few months later, he came back with uh, the first prototype, which um, was very rough and um, didn't meet all of the needs that I had hoped for. Yeah. And so we set about we set about you know. Uh, the next batch, and um, then it started to get real thick with details. So like, how do you make the switch 
um, have the detents that it needs to be able to click eight times. Yeah. And um, that was complex. I can we imagine because out, it's it's a pretty uh, the small... mechanism with which to do that. Yeah, it's a pretty small space, you know, to take because mm-hmm. it's, it's going to go in the place of where, well, what used to be a three-way switch and now they put a five-way switch in there and there's, yeah. there's, there's hardly enough room, I can't imagine. So eight different detents... On your switch, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So what? What you know? I just kept telling them, "Hey, move that axle closer to the to the um, the top plate." You know, oh, the sure. Guard cover. And finally, we pushed it up far enough that it would, you know, have the reach, the throw to do it. Wow. And uh, but that was only one of many, many things. And as we were doing it, I, I started to realize, you know what? There's a lot of things about the old five-way switch that really bug me. Like I'm, I'm reasonably handy with a solder, not soldering iron, but not super. I'm like, I'm like, I wouldn't get a job at Radio Shack fixing things or anything. <laughs> but uh, you know, I could, I could change a pickup or whatever, you know. Yeah. And but uh, I would look at those five way switches and just my eyes would cross. <laughs> smoke would start coming out of my ears, wondering where the hell do you solder these wires? Why aren't they marked? It'd oh, be yeah. so simple just to put any kind of marking on them, right? Yeah. Well, they're not. But, um, you know, I don't know if those switches are specifically made for guitars. They're like a... I've I've seen all kinds of electronics with those switches, and I, I think it's just an off-the-shelf switch that Fender started using in the, you know, late 40s, early 50s when they designed the thing, when they designed the mm-hmm. Telecaster, you know? Because I have an old, yeah. I have an old tube tester from the 50s, mm-hmm. And it has the exact same three-position switch that came in a 50s telly. I mean, it's the same part number, the same switch tip, everything. So those switches weren't designed for guitars. They were just a switch that was was available. And I think that, I don't know... That's interesting. I didn't know that. And when they came up with the five-way switch in the 70s, that might have been because of guitars. But I I really don't know. Maybe somebody out there knows, but... Um, the five-way switch yeah. wasn't even available until the, sometime in the 70s. Yeah, and if they do know, they aren't talking about it, because I've researched it online a ton, and there's just no mention of yeah. it. Yeah, those are made uh, by... My uh, first knowledge... Those are made by my CRL. First Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> See, that's the delay I'm talking about. It makes it tricky. Yeah, no problem. That's the, the company that makes that switch was called CRL, which I, I don't remember what it stands for, but... Is it Central Labs? I don't even know. Anyhow, go go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the first uh, so the legend is, of course, that um, you know Jimi Hendrix and or the Beatles mm-hmm. uh, or someone else mm-hmm. who will remain, as far as I can tell, permanently unnamed, uh, found a middle position in between the three way position, yeah. the three way switch. You want to hear what I or heard? If you could just get... I, I heard it was Buddy Holly. Oh, really? Yeah, I heard it was Buddy Holly on Peggy Sue. He had, they had, this is what, this is probably some apocryphal tale that's not true, but what I heard was, you know, because it's so hard to get, if you've got a three-way switch in a Strat, it's very hard yeah. to find to find that in-between switch because there's no detent. They, right. I read a story that in the studio, a guy basically knelt in front of Buddy Holly and worked the switch to get that uh, 
to get that in between sound just for the solo and then switched it back or something like that. And oh wow! Yeah, so uh, maybe you guys were doing that all I'm the way a, into the fifties. I don't know. I'm not even uh, certain that the solo on Peggy Sue is an out of phase tone. Yeah, I don't know. That would be um, that would be news to me. Yeah, or maybe it was. I've ever heard it on record is on the guitar solo on Nowhere Man by the Beatles. Oh yeah, okay. Which would place it around sixty-five. Yep. And then, uh, of course, Jimi Hendrix on Little Wing. Yeah. That's an out of phase position. Yeah, that's he right. He did not have a five-way switch. Sure, he didn't. No, I yeah, that that's I realize that now, and and yeah. So some some of the legend is that he jammed a, a matchstick in there to hold it. Oh wow. Wow. But I don't even know who said that. Yeah, that could be. So, you know, it's cloaked in, uh, it's shrouded in mystery. Yeah, it is. It, but I do know that, uh, you know, um, once the 70s rolled around, it started to appear reasonably frequently. I remember Eric Clapton had Lay Down, Sally had a real out of facing, and of course, the most famous of all, Ed King of Leonard Skinnerd with uh, Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, yeah, that's when that's when the dam broke on the out of phase tone on the in between tone. Well, you call it out of phase, but it's not it's not truly out of phase. It's but that's what people call it. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. that that in between t- sound of getting two pickups together on the strat. Mm-hmm. So with your switch, mm-hmm. you can get three additional sounds aside from the the well, regular five way switch. Actually, right? only two additional sounds. Three additional positions. Right. The third so, position that's extra is a kill switch. Okay. Sure. Or right. or a mute. Yeah. Or, or or all pickups off. However you want to word it. I've never been able to narrow it down to one. I started with kill switch, then I switched to all pickups off, and then my my brother in law said mute. <laughs> but uh, whatever it is. Yeah. That's the eighth position. Well, it, so, it's a good uh, thing because I think it's a useful fact, it's a useful thing to have a kill switch. You know, you can do a lot of things with it. Actually, I believe so. I, in fact, I've ha- I've been using my my um, my four functioning prototypes now for about four or five years. Yeah, and on yeah. one of them, I have I, I the first thing I did when I you know had my engineer design this thing was. I realized that, you know what, some guys are just going to not want that off position. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an annoying thing to them. So let's make it so it can be disabled. Yeah. So if you look at my main crowdfunding video that I have on my website, you'll see towards the last third of the video, I show a picture of a white version of my switch in which there's a text overlaying it that says, um, set screw top left disables the off position. Wow, man, a so, lot of a lot of engineering so, went into that. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, and 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 at each turn of the thing, you know, I mean, I'm basically I'm I'm telling a, a guy who's you know ten times smarter than me. This is what I want you to do now, and you know, each time it's like. Yeah, I'm getting kind of sick of you. <laughs> All these changes coming up to this thing I thought was going yeah. to be kind of simple. Yeah. And uh but uh you know, he's been great and um you know, now it works great. He's working on the absolute final uh redesign on it right now. Mm-hmm. Um uh he's trying to reduce the part count so that it's um 
you know, eventually more profitable. Yeah. Which is the kind of thing an engineer would do. Sure. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. You know, I mean, it has to be, mm -hmm. you have, it has to be affordable and it has to be, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the cost on your end has to be, you know, at a point where it makes sense because an idea well, is, an is only as thing. good as it is, as you know, if you can take it to market. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing. I think my price point of $30 is too high. Hmm. I wish I'd have said it at 20, but a little freaked out. You know, called. Oh, I'm I'm losing you. Listen, you know. Are, Are you, you losing? Yeah, I'm losing you. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, okay yeah. Now? Yeah, that's better. Yeah, he called me over to to a meeting and he said, "Hey, look, our part count's way too high, and you know, you could you could get yourself into a world of trouble if you don't, you know, uh, up the price on these things a little bit." Um. So I, I, I think I overdid it a little bit. I think 20 would have been more than fine, but yeah. um, I said 30 and, um, you know, but, but really uh, the, the switch is something you can't actually get anywhere. No. So it's, it's worth something. I did look up online at um, some of uh, Paul Reed Smith's five way um, rotary switches that they had for some of their guitars at one point. Uh-huh. Selling online for like 55, 60 bucks. Yeah. And that's when I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll price it at 40, give everyone 25% off and call it 30 for this crowdfunder. But um, the response has not been anywhere near overwhelming. It's been very underwhelming. And uh, the thing that disappoints me more than anything is that my local friends in the Seattle guitar playing community, mm -hmm. they're just not stepping up. They're like, yeah, whatever. We don't see you right now. You're invisible to us. <laughs> well, and, uh, that's that's always the case in your hometown, don't you think? Yeah, but uh, for example, I have um, I have some analytics on a Facebook ad I ran. Mm -hmm. I have six thousand views. Mm -hmm. This is ballpark. Seven hundred click-throughs to my website, and zero buys. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, yeah, you know, really it's a great idea, and I really think that um, it's something that uh, there's a lot of things I like about it. First, the first thing I like about it. Now, I'm this is coming from a I'm a guitar repair guy, right? I mean, soldering doesn't. Yeah, you're an expert. Well, soldering doesn't bother me, you know. Like I'll I'll solder whatever, but um, for the average player, you know, this this switch you can install it yourself. There's no soldering involved. And imagine what that saves you. Like, uh, what do you charge uh, someone to put in a five-way switch? Minimum of thirty bucks. Right. So for the installation charge, you get the whole switch, and you can do it yourself, and it's clearly marked. Yeah, even and it's... though the picture, one of the pictures doesn't show it, but it is very clearly marked. And uh, that was one of the things that I, you know, insisted on. That, you know, this yeah. has to be something that. First of all, you've got say you've got a any kind of guitar old or new, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to be running a solder iron, soldering iron around this beautiful, you know, wood. I've dropped solder beads on yeah. half of my guitars yeah. over the years. Well, and, it's you something know, that well, I, it gives I mean, them a little extra character. It's yeah. certainly not your goal. It's something that I do all the time, but you know, I, I've, I've, I've become practiced at it. <laughs> uh, but right. you know, if you, yeah, your average guitar player doesn't know how to solder, I would guess. 
Right. And so it's a good thing, man. It's a it's a cool thing. It's 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 a plug and play, as they say, right? You know the weird thing about it, Eric, is um, I started out with uh, wow. You mean there's eight things you can do with these and not five? That was like the big wow for me. It was like Eureka! Yeah. You know? like, yeah holy sure. cow! And then as the thing started coming along, I realized, you know, these things are open and exposed to dust. How many times have we heard <laughs> dust in a, in a five-way switch? Yeah, sure. So yeah. many times, right? They get, they get corroded, yeah. You know, so mine mine's dust-resistant. It's all encased in a nice little box. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, it's not just for strats. You can use it for other guitars, especially when you factor in the... Um, the uh, the rotary version, which I doubt will be very popular, but um, so there's it also fits there's a rotary. Tele. It's the same screw pattern fits in a telly. Oh sure, yeah. So if you had stacked, yeah. you had stacked pickups in a telly, you could uh, really goof around with some pretty cool stuff, or a three pickup telly, but whatever. Yeah, they I've seen those. What are they called? A Nashville telly? Nashville, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, hold tight just for a second, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back after this message. Hi, podcast fans. Jay Boone from Emerald City Guitars here. We've been down here in Pioneer Square in downtown Seattle for 20 years, and a lot of things have changed. One thing hasn't changed, though. We still have a great selection of used and vintage guitars and amps. Now, that's not all we do now here. We also have a great service department, a great staff that's very knowledgeable, and tons of accessories and effects and just about everything you'd need if you're a guitar player. So we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year, and we're doing all kinds of wonderful things, including giving folks great service, great deals, and shipping around the world. Visit our website at emeraldcityguitars.com. And you can see our entire selection of guitars and amps that we have on our floor at any time. We want to thank you guys for all the great years that you've shopped at our store. And that goes for all the folks, not only in the Northwest, but around the country and around the world. Emerald City Guitars, your best source for vintage guitars and amps. Hey, this is Darren Jones from Jones & Fisher. Hello, this is Scott Marshall Watson calling. Just wanted to let everyone know how much I love my pinup guitar. Eric Dawes pinup custom guitars. Can't say enough good things about them. It's the closest thing that I've personally found to being anything like a, a real vintage 50s Telecaster style guitar. My name is Jay Boone. I am an owner of two pinup guitars. Eric makes guitars that remind me of the, the real vintage style guitars, and that's what appeals to me. It makes me personally a better player. A very vintage sounding instrument. Very light and resonant. And I use it all the time. I play with it regularly. Uh, I love the feel of the neck. It's a fat 50 style neck. This is Joshua Jolagera. This guitar makes all other guitars that I've owned personally feel like toys in comparison. I love the guitar. It's my uh, my main rig when I'm out on the road. I, I ended up buying two of them and I, I use them both on a regular basis. I tell you what, if I have the money, I don't tenable. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate the eagle eye for quality and, and uh, attention to detail. I'm a big fan. Way to go, Eric. Great job, Eric. I really appreciate it. Check one out for yourself. Hey, everyone. It's Melissa. As many of you may know, I make tooled leather guitar straps. Each strap is cut, carved, stamped, dyed, and finished by hand. My straps are made to last a lifetime. Visit MelcoLeather.com to check out my designs or contact me with your custom order. Contact me through my Etsy site or MelcoLeather at gmail.com. 
podcast listeners will receive 15% off their order on Etsy when they use code FRETFILES at checkout. MelcoLeather.com. M-E-L-C-O Leather.com. I've got a crazy schematic that um, where I've I hooked up the middle pickup to the to the third pot, you know, so instead of two tones, right. you've got a pot that brings mm-hmm. in the middle yeah, pickup. It's called a blending pot. Yeah. And I've I've done that and I've done uh uh and so it's funny because I've had on some forums and stuff I've had guys who know that trick. It's pretty well known sure. among people that are, you know, thinking about that. Uh for example, today, I, there's a local Seattle guitarist. Well, he's in Ellensburg now, but he was kind of a legend when I got to town in the 80s, named Al Katz. Oh, I know Al. And um, He's a great you know player. Yeah. yeah, he's a great player. Oh, man, he's a great player with great guitar collections. And But uh, so here's, here's an interaction we had online. I sent him a thing because I got no pop out of him at all. I've known him for 35 years. And I got nothing from him on this switch, you know, and so I sent him a thing saying, hey, you know, I'm just checking in with you. Here's my invention. Uh, We've known each other a long time. I thought I'd ask you for some feedback. What do you think? Does it have any value to you? What do you think about crowdfunding in general? Um, You know, uh, what do you think? And he, he sent me back and he said, Neil, you can already wire a strat for extra pickup combinations pretty easily with the existing five way switch. Middle knob becomes a master tone control. Bottom knob becomes a blend control. Allows you to mix the neck and bridge to taste, mm-hmm. as well as getting all three pickups. All you all you need to do is buy a blend pot. So um, he says he's been wiring his straps like that for years. There are guys out there that do that. Sure. So I said, you know, it's another way to do it for sure. But do you get tone control for the bridge too? And uh, have you always, you know, are you able to turn all pickups off? And, you know, you're you're smarter than most guys. What do you think? Would you share the link and put out a good word for me? And he said, uh, you know, uh, he said, basically, I'll share it if you insist, but I feel it would not be honest of me, as I personally would not pay $30 for one, since I can wire my guitar that way for $10. Also, does your switch actually have eight physical positions? If so, it seems like that would be too fiddly for live use. Meanwhile, he's fiddling away with different knobs for... Yeah, you know, sure. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like there's... It's weird how the internet is and how people are online. They're like, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to give your idea any credence. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and what I was going to say is I've wired strats like that before with the blend control. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you can get those extra positions, but it's you can't really do it on the fly like in the middle of a solo like you you know right crank the knob all the way you know it's a little bit it's a little bit tricky and you have to kind of remember what's going on what's what yeah i mean it's a yeah. little bit tricky i i do have a strat that's wired but you're that talking way. to a guy who's um who's been using these eight position switches now for about 4 years and i've been gigging pretty steady that whole time yeah and I can't even begin to tell you how valuable it is. So I mean, tell me, tell me this: mm-hmm. what are the eight positions as they lay on the switch? Yeah. So, so if you take okay, the switch so, and you put it all the way towards the neck, what's what's that? Yeah. Okay. So now you're you're all the way up at the neck, 
you're starting on your five-way switch. Mm-hmm. Okay? Everything as you go towards the other pickups is exactly the same as your five-way switch. Okay. Okay. So you get to, when you get down to the bridge, everything's been the same. Yeah. You go one further, and then you get neck and bridge. Okay. Okay. Then you go one further after that, and mm-hmm. you get all three pickups at once. Okay. One one more down towards the you know plug-in jack. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's your last position. And that's is all off. Mute. Yeah. Kill. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you've decided to put in the set screw and turn that position off. Okay. And then which turns it into basically a seven-way. Correct. Wow. Okay. Well, I've had a lot of guys over the years ask me to install a kill switch in their guitar because they want to do, uh, I don't know what to call it, like almost like a, the Morse code sound where they they turn oh, on off. Yeah, yeah, they turn the they turn the switch on and off and get these like Morse code pulses, you know. Sure. So, uh, yeah. So, so you could do that. Well, with I think. It. Um, Pete Townsend and I believe even Jimi Hendrix did that in a few famous live yeah. performances. I I couldn't reference the exact dates and places, but I definitely heard it before. I've heard Hendrix do that. How did he do that with a Strat? Well, that, I don't get that. Mean? Hmm. It may not have been on a Strat because he did have a. Oh, that's true. He did play a Maybe, flying I bet V it, for a yeah, while. Yeah, I too. bet it was a flying V because if you turn one volume knob down on a Gibson, then you then you have that kill switch thing. Right. Yeah, okay. Maybe yeah. that's what it was. Because I've heard him do that. By the way, have you read um, Room Full of Mirrors, the um, uh, biography of Jimi Hendrix? I, I think so. Is that the one by... Uh, Charlie I Cross? I can't remember his name. I've read I've read a few of them, and I don't remember Charles. if... I don't remember if I've read that one or not. It's been a few years. Well, yeah. I, I couldn't recommend a book more for a guitar player or a guitar repair or builder. Really? It's just fantastic. Yeah. It's, I've read it like three times and it's like every page is candy. <laughs> for a yeah. I mean, and for a guy who always dreamt of being a superstar, you know, I was such a, I was such a rabid Hendrix fan, Neil, that mm-hmm. I, I, and this is going back 20 years, that it's all I listened to for a while. Like, I have just absorbed that music. I mean, I wore yeah. out this, and this is when I was listening to uh, cassette tapes, you know. But I just, right. I wore out tape after tape. I just absorbed that music. And I, one day I got to a point where, like, I couldn't listen to it anymore. Like, I thought, like, I, yeah. like, I listened to it so much that it was like I burned out that that <laughs> that Fuse. portion of my brain where Hendrix lived, and I occasionally still now I you know I'm such a Hendrix fan. I occasionally still go back and listen, but I can't listen to it like I used to, and it's almost like I I almost regret being that big of a fan back then because it's like I ruined it for the rest of my life. It's hard for me to listen to I, now. Yeah, isn't that know, weird? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you read that book, Room Full of Mirrors, I promise you it's going to all come back to life yeah, for you. I should. Especially since you lived in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. It's all going to, everything will have a completely new perspective. And you'll look at it and you'll listen to every song differently. 
and you'll be mm. bursting with love for Jimmy. <laughs> I, promise you. I should do it. When did that? When did that book come out? Maybe I haven't read it. I because I read it. I a, think it's about seven or eight years ago. Okay, I haven't read it. I read a biography, but it was twenty years ago, and I don't. I don't know what it was. Well, here's the thing. Um, it was written by Charles R. Cross, and it's called "Room Full of Mirrors," which was one of Jimmy's songs. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a very psychedelic song about how you know, no matter where you look, you're looking at yourself yeah, and all sure. this stuff. But yeah. um, he interviewed 325 people that knew Jimi Hendrix. Wow! And um, interesting uh, stuff in there. Uh, a couple of the guys he interviewed, I actually knew. Uh, and they knew Jimmy, and when I met them, they told me about meeting Jimmy, and they were very influential guys in my life. One of them was named uh, Rich Dangel, hmm. D-A-N-G-E-L. Yeah. He played in uh, uh, some very seminal bands like oh. the uh, the Whalers. Yeah, sure, you know, I know. Louis. Yeah, I know exactly who that and, is. And um, later on, yeah, and then uh, a guy named Ron Holden, who uh, used to have a great club downtown, and... Um, when I came to town, uh, my buddy Mark Riley, who builds guitars, uh, introduced yeah. me to him. I know Mark, and uh, he renamed he renamed me Light Brown. He said, "You should be called Light Brown." <laughs> Light and, Brown. Uh, well, it turns out uh, Jimmy Jimmy and Leon used to go to the Holden family's home to eat because basically they were starving most of their youth. Oh, I believe it in the yeah. Central District. Sure, I believe yeah, it. Yeah, they were starving. Al had no wow. money, and he wasn't feeding them. Wow. And he was at the bars all the time. So wow. there's two guys in there that had connections to him that I knew, and that's a great read. Now. Charles Cross used to run the Rocket magazine. Oh, he yeah. The head, the head editor there. Yeah. And so um, he's the guy who brought to the attention of the world bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Mud Honey and, you know, all those big, you know, seminal uh, grunge bands, and he actually yeah. wrote the definitive biography on Cobain too, hmm. called uh, "Heavier Than Heaven." Yeah, which is stunning. It's stunning in that it's almost a complete parallel, Jimi Hendrix, except white. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they were both starving. They well, starved as kids. I think that Hendrix is a little better player than Cobain, but. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, but but in terms of uh, international <laughs> no, I, claim and, and yeah, influence, I, yeah, totally, sure, sure, that's amazing. Tell me yeah. where. Uh, so if if I wanted to go buy one of these switches right now, it's not available. Is that right? Correct. But it's this is where we're at. Okay. If I if I don't come up with about forty grand, yeah, there'll there'll never be one. So where can, can buy. where can people go to support you and to pre order? Yeah. Pre-ordering is at, um, you can go to my website, which is seattlesuperswitch.com. Okay, that's easy. Seattlesuperswitch.com. Right across the main homepage is our crowdfunding campaign. Mm-hmm. You click on that, and then you can buy one for 30 bucks, and you get a free Phillips screwdriver with it. Yeah. A mini one, because you need a mini one to use it. Yeah. And... Um, you can. There's a couple of different things you can do. You can get, you can get a discount if you buy two, because a lot of people have two straps. Sure. And a lot of guys have three straps, so there's even a greater discount for three straps. But for luthiers and guys who build guitars, mm-hmm. there's a ten pack, which is really discounted nicely. Oh, okay. 
There you go. So that's that's pretty nice. Now some some people don't even play guitar, and so I put some things in there where people can just make donations, and that's largely what's been happening so far. Yeah. Well, how, are you are you uh, getting some attention though, as far as the uh, the crowdfunding goes? You know, it's funny, uh, Eric. I wish I could say I was really excited about everything that's happening related to it, but um, you know, the internet's kind of like. The white pages. Remember the white pages? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Imagine opening up the white pages and pointing to anyone's phone number just yeah. randomly. Yeah. That's kind of what, you know, having a crowdfunding campaign is like. Uh, like I said, I, I, I've been advertising a little bit on uh, on Facebook. Um, I did uh, talk to a few advertising companies about what they thought it might cost to, you know, properly do it. And it's like 7500 Sure. Um, just just for the cost of advertising, and then they would require three thousand dollars a month to manage that. So yeah. Thirteen thousand five hundred, and uh, I might get funded. Well, that's a lot of coin. <laughs> but yeah. I'm broke. Well, yeah, sure. But here's an interesting thing. Um, I, I have been talking to the guys at B and G Guitars. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you look. They have a little guitar called the Little Sister. Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. Yeah, really, really cool guitar. It just yeah. sounds fantastic. And they wind their own pickups and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we had a really nice conversation. And he said, um, if I bought one of that, that they've been had requests for three pickup guitars, but have refused to make them. Hmm. But that they would make one for me and put a switch in it, my switch. Yeah. And if they liked what happened when they heard that switch, they would then start making a three pickup guitar and use my switch only. Oh, that'd be out of sight. That's a pretty. That's really cool, except for the fact that I have to buy a forty-one hundred dollar guitar to make that happen. Oh yeah, and sure. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to crowdfund it, you know, to build a switch. So, so to, like tomorrow, I'm going to take all my guitar. Well, not all of them, but three of my guitars down to Jay and just take whatever he gives me for them. Yeah, and I'm going to put my Harley Davidson up for sale, and I'm, you know, I'm going to try and make some wheels turn. Well, you're really putting your heart into this. Yeah. You're putting everything into this. I'm trying real hard because I I really think that, you know, the Switch has... When I heard the tones that you could get with it, Mm -hmm. I was so excited Mm -hmm. because I felt like, you know, I personally, even though it doesn't mean anything to me, Neil Brown, like I don't want my name to be famous, but in some day... uh, my kids will be able to say, you hear that sound? You wouldn't hear that if it wasn't for my dad. There you go. There you go. That's the only thing I care about. Yeah. If they can point to it and say, you hear that guitar tone? My dad brought that to the world. I've got two teenage boys, 16 and 18. And uh, if I can leave my mark in any way, you know, that would be the one I'd, I'd hope I could do. Good. Yeah. Well, this podcast should be heard by a lot of people, and uh, I really hope it goes a long way towards uh, getting you towards your goal. I appreciate that, um, Eric. And you know what? I really appreciate what you did. Appreciate what you did for me with my, um, you know, my Gretsch. Yeah, I re- yeah, I remember. <laughs> Plus, you put the uh, you put the uh, eight way tone shifter into my airline. Yeah, fifty nine uh, Ripley. Oh yeah. And they they named that guitar appropriately. It's called a Ripley because it rips. That thing is crazy. <laughs> they make cool guitars. Those those reissue uh, airlines are pretty cool. 
I was stunned by how good it sounded. I yeah. mean, and, and the playability, forget about it, man. That's the fastest guitar I have. They're pretty it's good. Like, yeah, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, they're pretty good. I don't know what they did, but it's like the, the strings are spring-loaded or something. You know? Wow. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, man, I'll let you go. Uh, you tell Jay I said hello when you go down there. Yeah, I will. And Eric, that it means a good. lot to me that you called and asked to do this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank good. You so much. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you making the time. I really do. Uh, and I think people will find it interesting. And uh, if people want to contribute and or pre-order a Switch, they can go to seattlesuperswitch.com. And uh, there's also a Click bunch on of... crowdfunding. Yeah. Well, there's a bunch of... I, I loved seeing your videos, too. You've spent a lot of time making oh, thanks, these videos. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, uh, that's cool that the the uh, the Gretsch is on there. Yeah, uh, I spent a lot of time trying to record that Gretsch thing. Um, unfortunately, uh, everything's done on an iPad, so I can't really get room effect or you know amp effect. Yeah, very you know feedback and stuff like that. But uh, you know that's the first ever three pickup Gretsch. Yeah. With the eight way switch in it yeah. ever in the history of rock and roll. How about that? I think it's pretty cool. And you <laughs> and I were part of it. There you together, go. Hand in hand. That's right. Oh, that's cool. Right on, Neil. Thanks, man. I'll let you go. Take care, buddy. Yeah, thank you, man. I'll talk okay, to bye-bye. you soon. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, that's Neil Brown, SeattleSuperSwitch.com. You should check that out and uh, pre order a switch if you've uh, if if you found this interesting. I, I sure did, and I'm I'm excited about what Neil's doing there. I I know he is too, but you know, it's cool, man. I mean, how often does a, a new idea come along when it comes to uh, how to wire up a Strat, you know, or any three pickup guitar? So that's very cool, Neil. And uh, I appreciate your listening. I appreciate everybody's participation. I'm going to do more question and answer episodes, so get those questions submitted. Go to ericdaw.com, submit your question there, click the contact link. Or the other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482, and I'll use your question or comment as part of the show. We'll see you next week. Thank you.